Good evening. We are going to be in Luke chapter 21 this evening. And many of you have noticed and even mentioned something about me wearing a tie this evening. And uh, I thought about it before I left the house tonight, and I, I didn't have to put a tie on. I know that I'm normally pretty casual on Sunday evenings, but I, I decided to wear a tie tonight in honor of Josh Womble. We all know that Josh Womble will wear a shirt and a tie to every church. Event. I'm surprised he didn't wear one to the men's retreat, uh, but he's always in a shirt and a tie, and I appreciate that about him. Uh, I'm going to miss you, Josh. Uh, he's been a great encouragement to me. As I, as I preach here on, on Sunday nights, uh, I oftentimes will get encouraging emails the next Monday morning, uh, especially after Sundays where I feel like I bombed, did terrible. Uh, Josh would send me a little note and say, hey, I thought you did great. I really appreciated this and that. So uh, the last Sunday evening, that's kind of a normal Sunday evening, uh, I wanted to, to honor him, my friend, Josh Womble. So, but uh, look, uh, look with me to Luke chapter 21, and we're just going to look at four short verses. Luke chapter 21, the first four verses of the chapter, and this is what it says. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins, and he said... Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Let's pray. Lord, your word says that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. So God, we ask that you would open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your law. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things that I find very unique about this passage is that it's, it's seemingly out of nowhere. Jesus had not previously been talking about a, a widow, or he had not been following the life of a widow. It just seems to be set here towards the end of Luke's gospel. But one of the other things I find fascinating about this short story, it's simply four verses... But as you read the Gospel of Luke from the start to the finish, this short story encapsulates three huge truths that Luke tells us earlier in his Gospel. And so that's what I want to, I want to see, the three main truths that Luke wants us to see from this short passage. And then also I want us to see three points of application because of it. So two, two sets of three, if you will. So the first one is that Luke wants us to know that this widow is rich towards God. The widow is rich towards God. And I get this from Luke chapter 12. So follow, follow back with me. We'll be flipping just a little bit this evening. But in Luke chapter 12, we see a parable of a rich fool. And the, the parable goes something like this. So this, there's this man who's got a lot of wealth, and his, his fields are, are producing lots of of crops and he's making lots of money off of all this and he says to himself I am running out of room to store all my wealth and he says you know what I'm going to do here I'm going to actually tear down my barns I'm going to build bigger barns so that I can store even more wealth and then I'm going to say to my soul soul you have done well you should eat drink and be merry because you are you're rich you're just so awesome and then there's Jesus's response to this rich fool and Jesus says fool he calls him a fool he says, this night your soul is required of you. 
and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So in this parable, Jesus is teaching us that there's a person who's rich towards God, and then on the opposite spectrum, there's a person who's rich towards the things of this life. Because clearly the rich fool is is showing that he cares more about building up wealth and building up riches here on this earth than he is in seeing God as his treasure. You see, we understand a little bit about what it means to be rich towards God because he contrasts it with being rich towards the things of this life. The rich fool is clearly concerned with building his wealth and he says that is the opposite of being rich towards God. Being rich towards God is someone who sees God as their ultimate treasure, sees God as worth more than anything they could ever have in this life. And what we see in Luke 21, here's this widow. She puts in two small copper coins, which she even says at the end is all that she has to live on. She puts that in the offering plate. And I think in a subtle way, Luke is trying to tell us, here is someone who's rich towards God. Do you remember the parable I just told? The parable about the rich fool who's trying to store up wealth for himself? He says that person is not rich towards God. Here is a widow who has almost nothing. But she puts it in the offering plate and he's saying very subtly, here is someone who is rich towards God. Here is someone who does not think that their earthly wealth and that their earthly treasures is worth more than God. Here is someone who is rich towards God. That's the first thing we see. That's the first lesson that's brought back out in this passage that Luke has already taught his readers. But the second, and this has to deal with the passage we read in in leading us to worship, is that the widow does not seem to be anxious about the things of life. This widow does not seem to be anxious about the things of life. Jesus tells us about this widow putting her two small coins in the offering box, which is all she had to live on. But also look back to, again, Luke chapter 12. The story immediately following the rich fool. So Jesus tells this parable of the rich fool. He says this is an example of someone who is not rich towards God. They don't value God as more important than their wealth and their riches. And then he goes into saying not to be anxious about the things of this life. He says don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink or about your body, what kind of clothes you're going to put on it. And then he says the birds don't store up food. The birds don't have bank accounts. They don't have any of this stuff, but yet they're fed. And they have a place to stay. It says even even the grass of the field is clothed. He says, how much more will I clothe you? How much more will I feed you? Jesus is telling us not to be anxious about the things of this life. Because he even says here, verse 29, Do not seek what you are going to eat and what you are to drink or be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need Him. Everyone knows that this is the pursuit of everyone on earth. We all need food to live. We all need water to live. We need shelter to live. God knows this. This is not a surprise to Him. And for the majority of of people, their whole life is seeking after these things. If you've ever watched documentaries about some of the poorest of the poor people around the world, which is a lot, their whole life is spent in search for food. 
in search for clean water, in search for shelter or, or some place where they can go and to be safe from, from nature. And God says, don't be anxious about these things. I know that you need them. Seek first the kingdom of God. And what we see in this passage of the, the widow is that she does not seem to be anxious about the things of life. Jesus says that she puts in two small copper coins, which is all she had to live on. Now, I think many of us have been in a situation in life where money is tight. And if you haven't, you will be. I promise. It happens to everybody. We get into a place in life where, where money is just not flowing, we're, we're strapped for cash, and we have to make serious priorities on what we're going to use our money for and what we're not. And sadly, too often, I think the first thing we normally cut out is maybe tithing or being generous. You know, we look, we look at what we have, we look at the bills that are coming, and we're like, okay, well, mortgage, got to pay that. I, I got to stay in the house another month. You know, food, got to have that. Can't be, can't be going hungry. Well, got to pay the cable bill. You know, got to be entertained. Just doesn't look like there's any extra to give to church. You know, maybe, maybe next month. And we're, we're so easily anxious about the things of this life without even thinking about it. Because we don't even have a conscious thought when, we, when we're doing those things of, I'm really anxious about providing for myself. I'm really anxious about how I'm going to get my next meal. Or I'm really anxious about making sure I don't get kicked out of my house. Which we shouldn't be foolish with our money, but that should not be what determines how we use our money. That's the point of the passage. And what Jesus is saying here with this widow is that she does not seem to be anxious about these things. Even though all she has is almost worthless, many, many commentators, if you read about this passage, they say that copper was the lowest denomination. The fact that she had two copper coins meant that she, you know, for the most part, had nothing anyway. But the fact that that's all she had to live on and she was willing to put it in the offering plate, tells us that she's not anxious about how she's going to get her next meal, how she's going to pay her, her rent, how she's going to get a new coat when it gets cold. She's not anxious about these things. She is rich towards God. She's not anxious about the things of life. And then thirdly, the widow demonstrates true discipleship by being willing to give everything she has. Now, there's a couple different passages for this. Luke 9 talks about it a few different times. And then also Luke 14. And there's just one simple verse in Luke 14. Jesus is talking about the cost of discipleship. And in verse 33, he says, So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. The woman is willing to give everything she has to be a disciple of Jesus. She's willing to give all of it. Everything that she has to live on, she puts in the offering plate. And she is showing what Jesus says about true discipleship is that you must be willing to give everything. This woman shows us, the way Luke writes this story, he tells us she is willing. She is willing to give it all. It's awesome. 
awesome how such a short story can pull all these different things together and show us so much about the Christian life in general. Tell us so much about what Luke is trying to tell his readers. What he's trying to convey. What Jesus is teaching the people who are around him. Be rich towards God. Don't be anxious about the things of this life. And here's what it looks like to truly be a disciple. See, so those are the three stories that I clearly see Luke is drawing together in this one passage, this one short passage. But then there's also some takeaways. The first one is that Jesus is watching the offering plate. First thing I want us to know is that Jesus is watching the offering plate. It says that Jesus looked up, saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and then he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. Jesus sees what happens with the offering plate. You see, many of us, we, we may not think that, that the offering is in a, that important. Maybe we just think it's, an, it's another thing in the service. But I want you to know that the offering plate is an opportunity for you to worship. When the offering plate passes by us, although maybe no one else in the entire sanctuary will see the way you treat the offering plate or what you think about the offering plate or what you are thinking when you put the money in or don't put the money in, but God watches the offering plate. Jesus knows your feelings towards the offering plate. That's, that's convicting. I thought about that this week. And I thought, wow, even if I give my money, if I put it in the offering plate, God knows my heart. God knows whether I'm giving reluctantly. God knows whether I'm giving out of a generous heart. God knows if I'm happy to give. God knows if I'm a little angry about giving or or upset or if I'm really wanting to spend this on myself, God watches the offering plate. Second, Jesus measures not the amount put in the offering plate, but the amount that it costs the giver. Jesus doesn't count by how much you put in, but by how much it costs you to put that in. Look at the text again. He says, truly I tell you, this widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. We don't know how much the rich people were putting in the offering plate. It doesn't say. It's not a, not a major detail. But we can assume it was probably more than two small copper coins. And I think so often we think about money and we think about giving so much in quantity that here's, here's, how, here's how the world works. I'm a big Mets fan. You all know that. I was devastated when they lost the World Series. But something cool happened in 2009. We got a brand new stadium. And the old stadium was getting old. It was beat up. And so they built a brand new stadium, and then they announced that it was going to be named City Field. And I thought, wow, that's underwhelming. They named it after a bank. But you know why? You know why they named it after a bank? Because that bank, City Financial Group, donated 
probably millions and millions and millions of money to build the stadium. They bought the naming rights. As they want people to know that they gave money to build this awesome stadium. They want to receive credit. Anytime someone goes to a game, they drive by, they see it, they're like, oh yeah, City Financial Group, yeah. It's a way of advertising, but it's also a way to say, man, look what I did. Look what I've given. Look how generous I am. Gave so much money so that you know, they could have a nice new stadium. But that, that happens more so than, than even in corporate settings. It happens in churches. Have you ever been to a church? Have you ever visited a church that has this great gymnasium or something and it's named after somebody? It's got somebody's name on it? Sure. Every once in a while, you know, it's just in memory. But most of the times, they will name it after the person who has given so much money because we think, man, that person who has given so much money there... They are really important. You know, they're, they're doing so much of God's work because they're able to give so much money. But I want you to know tonight, God does not count the amount you put in the plate. God counts how much it costs you to put it in the plate. You see, we could have someone tonight put $1,000 in this plate and somebody else put $1 in. God is not looking at the person who puts in 1000 thinking, love that person. They're so great. They're so awesome. They've given so much. And he's not looking at the person who put in $1 thinking, $1, really? Couldn't at least give me two? God does not care one bit about the amount you put in the offering plate. God cares how much it costs you to put that in. He says that the rich, they contributed out of their abundance. They had a whole bunch. It was not not really going to harm me to put any in. I'm still going to be able to pay my bills, to have some nice things, to go out to dinner, you know, four nights a week. I've got extra, sure, why not? I'll put it in. That does not mean more to God than the person who says, man, i got ten bucks to live on this week. Not going to get me far, but you know what? I want to give to God. I just want to give my one dollar to God and trust that he will provide for me. See, God is not limited by the amount that we put in. I, I have to remind myself of this, that there's a story in the Gospels that has nothing to do with money, but it has to do with amounts of stuff. There's a story where Jesus is, has five fish and two loaves. Anybody familiar with that? Is God limited to feeding thousands and thousands of people because there's only five fish and, and two loaves? We all know what happens. Jesus starts, he thanks God, he starts breaking the bread and and distributing the fish and, and everyone, thousands and thousands and thousands of people eat until they're full, he even says, which I find kind of humorous. Not that they just barely had a little bit, they ate until they were full. And then there's 12 baskets left over. God is not limited by the amount that you put in the plate. God can do whatever he wants with that. God wants to know how much it costs you to put that in. Then thirdly, our finances are a critical matter in Christian discipleship. What I find so unique about this story is that we learn three main things. That this widow is rich towards God. She's not anxious about the things of life. And she understands what it truly means to give of everything to follow Jesus. Those three things aren't inherently all about money. 
they aren't inherently all directly related to money. They could be in a way. But we see so much and we learn so much about the Christian life based on the way this person uses her money. And this is a theme in Luke's Gospel. If you read Luke's Gospel from the front to the back, you will see over and over and over again, especially towards the end, Luke starts to really pick it up and and just hit it hard over and over and over again. He's concerned with how we use our money. Luke tells these stories over and over again about the way that we use money. Everybody heard of Zacchaeus? Sorry. That's about money. And we see that he was not saved. He had a, a, a darkened heart a foolish heart, a selfish heart, and he stole from people. And then we see that he's given a new heart. God saves him. And then what does he do? He pays people back four times what he took from them. We learn so much from money about where we're at spiritually. The way that we use money is such a huge gauge on where we're at in our walk with Jesus. And I want us to walk away from this story knowing that our finances are a crucial matter in Christian discipleship. If we are discipling people, if we're trying to help them understand and know God, we have got to talk to them about the way they use their money. It's evidence of a changed heart. And we see that with this woman. We see that she's rich towards God. She sees God as her ultimate treasure far greater than any coins or amount of wealth that she could store up for herself. We see that she's not anxious about the things of life. She's trusting in God. She's not worried about how she's going to get her next meal or or where she's going to stay tonight or anything like that. And we see that she truly understands what it means to follow Jesus, to be willing to give everything. That's a lot that we can learn based off of just observing her put her money in an offering plate. So this this short story, these four verses, they say a lot. And all it is is Jesus observing a woman putting her money in an offering plate. We learn a lot about her. And so I wonder tonight, If Jesus were watching you put your money in the offering plate, what would we learn from that story? Would we see that you're rich towards God? Would we see that you're not anxious about the things of life? Would we see that you truly understand the cost of following Jesus? Because that's what the widow shows us. And that's what should be true of us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this evening. We're thankful for this widow who gave all that she had to live on. God, I pray that you would help us to be rich towards God, that you would be our treasure. We would love you far more than anything we could store up for ourselves on earth. God, I thank you that this woman exhibits that she's not anxious about the things of life. She trusts in her Savior. I pray that we would do the same. God, I pray that we would truly understand 
what it means to follow Jesus, the cost of discipleship. God, we thank you for this widow and for Jesus, that he is the one who changes our hearts by causing us to believe. I pray that we would believe tonight. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.